out here for a really wonderful night. So far, no, uh, <laughs> no maniacs uh, pulling their pants down, not having to call the cops. Although, it's funny, I was I walked downtown where I never go. I never have any business down there. And it was very peaceful. I was actually surprised with everything going on in my neighborhood. I was thinking, like, downtown's going to be total madness. But it was one of those feelings where it almost felt like everybody got, uh, what's it called, uh, Everybody got, uh, what's that term called? I say resurrected. It's not the one I'm looking for. It's like one of those feelings like everybody got called up to heaven. Because I was just like, wow, nobody's out. It's a really beautiful night. I would expect there to be something going on, but nobody's out and about. But then right when I was thinking about how peaceful and beautiful it is, I walked by a, a parking lot and there was like a station wagon running. The, the engine was running. And both the driver and the passenger were just totally nodded off. Like, not just nodding off, but just nodded. That distinct look. Their heads were just hung down. Because I was like, oh, are they just, are they both really intent on texting with their phones in their lap right now? And then, like, I took another look and I was like, oh, no, those people are out cold in a very distinctive pose in a running automobile. Parked, you know, it was parked. Um,. And it crossed my mind. I was like, should I should I call them in? Like, should, I mean, are they are they okay? You know, I, I had the thought like, did they just shoot up something bad? And those people are dead in a running automobile right now. Like, they weren't a threat to anybody else in that moment. Assuming they didn't drive, they didn't try to drive, but just like sitting there passed out, they weren't a threat to anybody else. And I thought to myself, I was like, yeah, you know, part of me wants to check on them, but I mean, I called the freaking cops yesterday. You know, do I really, I don't want to be the guy who calls the cops on somebody every day. Even if it's out of concern for their well-being, it's like, you got to pick your spots. But yeah, I was just like, oh, there they are. But then when I came back about 20, 30 minutes later, they were gone. So, uh, who knows, who knows what was going on with them, but I'm glad I didn't call them in. I, you don't want to be that guy. <laughs> You gotta choose your, your 911 calls very wisely. But, uh, I don't know, you know, something, it's just, I'm basically trying to avoid talking about the catastrophic failure all around us, you know, because that's where my mind wants to go right now. But I'm just, I'm trying to avoid addressing it. Because I was thinking about the last time that I, I felt like being out in the world felt uh, upbeat and hopeful <laughs> was uh, July of last year. That was the month when they lifted mask restrictions for, they, they ended up only lifting them for a month, but it was like the first time they had lifted mask restrictions in Washington since the start of coronavirus. And uh, it, the weather was beautiful. And I was just taking these walks through downtown, around, and it was just like, oh, everybody's, everybody really, it, it, you really got the feeling that everybody was like a flower reaching out for the light and the sun. You really did get that feeling. Like, I, I remember talking about it on here, because I got all lecherous, where I was like, like, everywhere I go, there's like women running around and wearing nothing, like practically nothing, or, or better than nothing. They're wearing like really, uh, like see-through stuff and like, like lingerie in public. 
which is better than nothing to me. I've said that before. Like, it's funny because, you know, the way, the way people's minds work, like, there's this idea that, like, oh, men, like, when a man sees an attractive woman in public, like, he fantasizes, like, he imagines, like, himself, you know, doing something with her, or he imagines her wearing nothing. Like, that's, it's funny, like, that's the idea, the popular idea, and maybe that's the most common, I don't know. Maybe it's true that that's how, you know, most men think, where it's like, yeah, they see a, um, a fully clothed woman and they imagine her nude or something. Whereas I'm like, like what I, like what I see in public to me, that's, that's the fantasy, <laughs> you know, like for me, that is the fantasy where I'm like, oh, wow. Like the way that, uh, the way that, that those clothes accentuate, uh, <laughs> her endowments like that that is the fantasy right there like the the element of like mystery and not the fashion don't get that confused with me appreciating the fashion i couldn't care less what the fashion is but for me it's like the fan like like if if people were walking around naked my fantasy would be like oh what if she was wearing this outfit what if she was wearing like this uh this garment in a certain way and I don't know if other people think that way but I mean the way I'd put it is uh, yeah, when, when Eve bit that apple I got hit real hard that carried over to me real hard because uh, just not that uh, not that impressed with nudity and I actually think it's best when it's covered I think it's more attractive when it's covered and that goes for me too. Like, <laughs> like I don't even. I, I get out of the shower. I'm, I'm, the very least wearing my underwear around the house. Usually more. Shirtless is fine. I'll go shirtless a little bit. But even then, you know, even then, you you try to keep it uh, literally under wraps. You know. Whereas some people are the opposite. Some people just like walk around the house naked all the time and. You know, even given the option, I would never do that. So, yeah, like, I, I must have gotten hit hard. That apple carried on down to me. But, uh, what was I going to say here? Uh, I was walking a route. What I, what I was going to say, though, is, yeah, like, I things hadn't felt like... <laughs> it's funny talking about all this out in, out on a walk, but, uh... Like, I remember things feeling very hopeful July 2021, where I was going out, and like I said, it was, like, the stuff that, like, women were wearing, like, they're, like, I remember seeing, like, this, like, this girl, like, in a see-through dress, just, like, twirling while she was walking her dog, like, she was literally, like, twirling in this billowy, like, see-through dress while, like, touching flowers, and, like, it was, like, something out of a, uh, it's like, it's like she was like the queen of nature or something. And she was just like, literally like felt so good. She was like dancing and twirling and walking her dog. Like, just like, yeah, it was, it was amazing. Actually. I remember just being like, wow, like people are really, people are really feeling good. And then it was like at the start of August, they reimposed like mask mandates and I don't even know what happened from there, but it's like that, that good feeling. I just, it, it went away and it really hasn't been back since. And, you know, maybe it's just me, you know, it could just be me, but it's like, even right now, we'll see. 
The real test will be like when we get good weather, warm weather, and July hits, and you know, we'll see if, if I get that feeling again, even briefly. But it's just like, it, what I feel like, and this is what's, what's hard not to talk about, is it's like, I feel like there's just been so much decay since then. And that's the word I would use. It's like in the last year since July 21, 2021, it just feels like there's been like so much decay and so much other shit going on. I mean, just economically things are bad. But just another year of just like nonstop, just blasts to people's brains. Because that's the thing that never let up. Like just one blast after another. I was just thinking the other day about... I think it was in... Uh, I think it was in September that uh, Obama bin Biden you know, announced like VAC mandates for all company, like all companies were going to have to like force employees to get it. And it was this big controversy and that that was such a big talking point for so long. It was so contentious. It was so awful. The whole like VAC, VAC mandate, all that, that whole debate was so so mean at its core from every point of view like everything about it and uh how it's like that's just not even going on anymore like nobody cares like i was surprised like i sold something to somebody on craigslist like a middle-aged couple and when they got when they got out of the, the car like the woman was like oh like do you want us to wear masks and i was like oh no whatever you want to do either way and then she was like, we've both been vacked. And I was like, oh yeah, me too. Yeah, like like a year and a half ago. But uh, it's the first I've heard anybody even bring that up. And I pay attention, like I, I don't even hear pundits talking about it. I don't hear anybody talking about it. And it hasn't been that long. It hasn't even been a year. A year. Cause I mean, that was, that was September, 2021 but that that was just like that wasn't the last time it was discussed i mean it stretched on into i mean it, it must have stretched on in, through february i think uh that was still raging pretty strong in february pretty much until the whole ukraine russia thing i think that was you know, still one of the, the hottest topics one of the the biggest issues people were having with each other um, so that, that wasn't even that long ago, you know, that people were freaking out over that and like really fighting it out. And so, I mean, my point being though, that it's just like that feeling that was in the air almost a year ago now. And I remember being out and being like, almost being scared that the world was like, you know, healing much faster than I ever anticipated. Like, I wasn't ready for the world to be healed. You know what I mean? I remember being out and I was like, this feels great. Like, people are literally frolicking through the streets. But I almost feel like I'm not ready to do that. And sure enough, they everything shut back down and got bad again, you know, just, you know, in some way. And then it's just, it's been followed by just more and more of these just psychic blasts to people's brains, you know? And there's, yeah, there's been so much decay. I mean, like, you know, as, as, as much as it sucks to admit, like, uh, you know, the gas issue, like, I mean, you're, you're going to visit somebody in another city. Like I had a friend who was up in the Seattle area 
wanted to hang out and I'm just like, yeah, you know what? I really can't be spending a hundred dollars on gas just to go up there and back. You know, it's just, it's an unfortunate reality. All this stuff disconnects us from each other. And then that leads to like hurt feelings, you know, and it's, it's even just small little practical things like that, where it's just like, yeah, you know, the price of this has like, has doubled, you know, and, uh, the reality with me too is like, I I don't even want to go anywhere. Like I've ended up with a really small radius of where I'll go when I, you know, by my own choice and you know it's gotten smaller and smaller and that kind of sucks in some ways but it's also kind of it feels good also to have like your territory staked out like i feel like now is kind of that time where it's like you 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 want to like have your territory staked out and know it really well but going beyond that well you know you might not need to do that too much because that's natural anyway, you know? I mean, it, it's it's natural to be, like, a man and, and adventurous, but it's also natural to find a place and be like, well, you know, this is my territory, this is my radius. And I think, like, the last number of years have put me more and more in that mindset. You don't want to be a total recluse. I mean, like, I wander around, you know, I... I find adventure in my own backyard. Like I walk everywhere. I try to walk as much as possible. But uh, you know, that said, it's like it, it is my own backyard because I, th- I just feel like everything's kind of pointed us to that. It doesn't feel like a time to wander, at least to me. But. Uh, being a wandering, I'm, I'm walking the same route that I used to take. I'm in my old neighborhood where I used to live for like seven and a half years. And uh, like this is the exact route I walked, God, like a thousand, thousands of times, thousands. It's really bizarre to do it right now because I'm like, it was only three and a half years ago that I was still living in this house, this one that my old house. But I'm like, yeah, it was only three and a half years ago that I was still there. And this was my route for so long. Like this, once again, like talk about like staking out your territory. Like I really feel like that's what I did. Like I don't come to this neighborhood as often anymore. I have a friend who lives here, but like we don't really hang out in this neighborhood much. Um, But it's like, it's so familiar to me because like, yeah, especially like coming home from the bar, like the number of times late at night that... I took this exact route coming home from the bar and like in so many different states of mind. That's a long three and a half years. And I mean, some of that shit was, you know, further back given, I mean, I moved in there in like 2011, June 2011, so like 11 years ago. And then moved out on Halloween 2018. So like seven and a half years. But just thinking about like all all the different states of mind, all the different things going on in my life, walking the same route, like not to be too reflective, but just it is kind of crazy. I'm like, that's a long three and a half years since I was still mentally here, physically here, but also mentally here. I'm just like, this is fucking crazy. 
because like, there's so much these days that it just it does it doesn't even feel like the same lifetime and it wasn't that long ago it really feels like you know reality shifted at some point but that's one of the reasons you know I try to keep everything I try to rem- I, I try not to let my brain reset because I mean, I think that's like one of the things when I talk about people's brains just getting blasted, like these psychic blasts that have happened to people's brains just repeatedly combined with like the economy, you know, the gas, all this, all this practical stuff, no relief, even more maddening social and political views, you know, no relief whatsoever from any of that. And then, uh, you know, what was I going to say there? Um, try to collect my thoughts. And then, uh, yeah, I don't remember what the thought was, but, but just, the, you know, people, it's like their brains have been blasted nonstop. And then conditions have gotten worse. People, you know, are experiencing... You know, serious, serious identity crises up and down the board. And I think that's, you know, part of what's happening now is, like, people really don't know who they are. They, they are having, people of all ages are having these identity crises they never would have had. They never would have had these same ones. And... the suddenness that it's changed. I mean, just thinking, I was saying how it's been a long three and a half years, but it's been a long 11 years. Like thinking about moving into this neighborhood 11 years ago, that's crazy to me that I, that that was that long ago. I'm just like, wow, yeah. And to see like how the culture has changed. Like, yeah, you could already see some of those things, especially here. But just to see like how quickly, how quickly certain thoughts became the new normal. And uh, how quickly people would double down on those as if they always believed them too. I think that's the thing that always surprises me. is just that, like a new idea gets introduced. And someone's like, hmm, I'll consider that. It's kind of, you know, it's kind of a weird idea. It's kind of out there. It's kind of radical. And then, like, they, they come to accept it. More and more people come to accept it. And then, like, those, those same people who are like, hmm, I'll have to think about that one. I'm not so sure. It's, it's a little bit out there. They then start operating as if that's always been an essential truth that they've known. And you can see that with a lot of the, you know, the social and political issues, a lot of the causes that people have taken on where what always gets me is just how quickly people forget that, like, they didn't believe that until yesterday. And then how angry they are at people who don't believe it yet today. You know, that's, that's, I think, the thing that blows my mind more than anything else. And I know I talk about it on here, but it really does blow my mind. Where I'm like, holy shit, yeah, like, they're shocked that you believe the thing they believed until yesterday. And I think, I think the reason people are able to do that 
is one, it gives them a chance to like wield that power over somebody else and being like, you don't believe this, this important thing. You don't agree with us on this important thing. But I think their brain also resets and that's kind of what I'm getting at where I think people's brains reset and they're only thinking in terms of like what they're experiencing right now. Where it's like whatever they're feeling right now about whatever's in front of them is how they're going to feel. And there seems to be this, uh, yeah, it's really like, like their brain got wiped before that point. But I think it, it can kind of be reactivated. I think some of this stuff, like, you can see this especially with the way people, like, cycle uh, between, like, like their, their focus, like, shifts to other things so rapidly. Where it's like, you know, the VAC thing being an example, where, like, that was the number one topic. People were, it sounded like they were willing to go to war over it. And then just like a week went by with something else going on to focus that energy on war in Eastern Europe. And then it was just kind of a reset. Like that discussion is over. There's just faint echoes of that discussion that was so important yesterday. And somehow this is so important today. But the same thing is playing out. So I think it's good to like to like remember uh I think it's good to keep in mind like the, the random bullshit like you've been distracted by sometimes to kind of go oh yeah you know like I was caught up in this thing a couple of months ago and now I'm not like I, I was I was preoccupied with this thing I thought was important a couple of months ago and now I'm not I think mean, that kind of keeps your brain from resetting is to kind of remind yourself it's kind of like reminding yourself like uh, of what the timeline of your own thoughts are like, oh yeah, you know, like this is, this is what I was thinking of then. This is what I was doing then. Um, I don't know. It's just, I think like, you know, as much as people talk about like being in the moment, I think there's such a thing as being too caught up in the moment too, where like you're only because, I mean, it, it can apply to good or bad. It's like the catch-22 of being in the moment is when something good is happening, you want to be in the moment and focus only on that in order to fully experience the, the, that good thing. Like, when something good is happening, like, you don't want to be thinking about... You don't want to be comparing it to anything. You don't want to be thinking about something that happened in the past. You don't want to be thinking about like something that was in the future. You just want to be like taking in that good experience. That's what they say when they're like, be in the moment. Because the catch-22 is that you don't want to be in the moment when it's a bad thing. Like even though it's good to address things head on, you don't want to be too in the moment when like something bad is going on because that's how you get caught up in the emotion of it. That's how it, you get sucked in, is sometimes being too in the moment, like in a fight, for example. Like if you're having an argument with somebody and you're too in the moment, you're more likely to react emotionally. You're more likely to only see like the, the, the thing in front of you, you know, and, and you won't see patterns, you won't see uh, the bigger picture. 
it's how like when you're in a fight with somebody especially like you know a romantic thing and you get in a fight how it's very easy for your argument to spiral in a direction like way far apart from where it started like you find like at some point if you get out of the moment for a second you'll be like how did we even start arguing about this like we were arguing about you know where to go for dinner and the fact that nothing sounds good and we got mad at each other because uh, you know nobody can make a decision it's like the source of so many arguments and then uh, the the you know little, before I knew it we were arguing about like that time we like rented a movie on Netflix and like she didn't like the one that I wanted to watch and I didn't like the one she I mean point being like an argument like that'll spiral in completely unrelated directions and if you're caught up in the moment in that argument like you're just going to argue about every little thing that comes up rather than seeing okay this is a pattern the reason why there's this like hyperlinked set of uh topics that like all all relate to this argument is because there's something bigger going on there's something worse going on there's something else you know like something you know needs to be looked at and uh i mean it's very hard to see that when you're living it i mean that's the thing like it's very hard to see your own patterns and like people who get in a lot of interpersonal disputes with the people in their life uh they they kind of go from dispute to dispute like you see this with with couples who get in a lot of fights is like if you have a friend who's in one of those relationships like they always come to you with these problems and it's a new one every time and the person like your friend is often like they forget that it's they they get distracted by the fact that it's about a different thing every time and they're not seeing the bigger picture that like, oh, you're in a very volatile, argumentative relationship that's probably not working out. But because you have a different topic to argue about every time, it seems like it's about that. Like I have a friend who uh, started seeing a girl. I don't want to give too many details. We started seeing a girl and like, I think they've been together for like a year or a year and a half. And he's just always... Uh, like they've broken up three times and gotten back together and <clears throat> none of the problems are ever addressed and each new problem like seems like it's some kind of new battle but it's not and so it's it's hard to uh it's hard to hold your tongue in those situations because you're like oh yeah you're you're really caught up in each individual battle as it comes but that's not really what's going on. You know, there's something more volatile. There's a bigger picture. There's a bigger pattern to what's going on that you're not seeing because you're just in it. And you're trying to deal with each problem as it comes. I mean, it makes me think of like drinking where, you know, every single weekend, if not like some weekdays, I wake up just severely hungover. And my body just destroyed for a couple days from getting blacked out. And, uh, but I was always like fighting that battle that day. Like that day it was like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm severely hungover. I feel like shit. I need to get through this today. 
And that's what that's all you can do in that situation. But that can also distract you from the fact that, oh, hey, like I'm forgetting that I'm doing this so often. Like I'm forgetting that I'm doing this, you know, every week at the very least. And, uh, you know, so, so you're, you're like the bigger, the bigger problem is that you're doing this all the time, you know. And like, but, but in that moment, like what else can you do? I mean, the dilemma is like, what else can you do in that moment except just like ride the hangover out and try to get, try to beat that hangover for that day. Like that's all you can really do when you're in that condition. But it's like somehow you have, you know, somehow you have to like get a little bit of, somehow you have to do something though to address the bigger picture, which is that this is like a recurring pattern and you're doing this all the time. Like when you're fighting with your significant other all the time, like you have to address the argument that's happening right now. Like, but like you have to also acknowledge that, oh shit, like this is part of a bigger pattern and something has to be done about that before any of this is going to get straightened out. It's just, it's tough. It's, it's tough. I don't like the looks of these guys. Yeah, I'm just... I don't want anything to do with anybody out in the streets at this point. Wait. But, uh... I'm going to hit pause here. to make sure I mean I'm being hyper vigilant right now but it's just everywhere you go I mean these guys who are just walking by like demented gangsters I don't even know what race I don't know if they were Uyghurs or if they were something else but it's just like demented gangsters like talking like they're in a rap song just making it all just just hanging it out there I mean I, I was feeling pretty good I was feeling pretty good, but in the last like block, it's just like, oh man, I'm just looking around. Like cars driving by, playing rap music. Like I saw this middle-aged guy drive past me earlier, just blasting rap, like so fucking loud. And I'm just like, man, like this really is the soundtrack to hell. Like I, I've never had a beef with rap, with rap. I've never had a beef with rap in the sense that, uh, like, like, I used to listen to some rap when I was a teenager, and then I just kind of, I just stopped at some point. But, you know, I, I never had a problem with it in terms of, like, how it was made, whether or not it's, you know, artistically valid. You know, because that's, that's always been, like, an old man thing. Like, it's just talking over, over sounds. You know, obviously, I understand the artistry of it. I understand there's good stuff and bad stuff, but it's, like... I do feel, though, just like living in this world where it's just like cars going around blasting rap everywhere you go all the time. Everyone talking like that. Everyone from like young suburban girls to like nerds to just artists. Like, because that's, that's the thing I just I want to mention real quick, too. You know, earlier I was talking about how. Uh, you know, all, like, pretty much all homeless people now, regardless of age and gender, like, talk in Ebonics. And how it's, like, everything has kind of become... I don't know, like, Uyghur culture has really kind of uh, 
made a permanent mark on everything. And uh, another example of that, though, is like the sort of like hipster people, 10, 12, 13, long, maybe even longer, but definitely in the last like 10, 15 years, like hipster sort of people who like took on that way of talking. Like it's what Miles and I have talked about for years, like where people who like have a rap side, not, see, there we go, just everywhere, it's just hell, it's just hell. I can't get mad at it, but I'm just like, to me, that's the soundtrack of hell now. Because it's every car. Once in a blue moon, you'll see like a guy in a truck blasting really bad country or something like that. But it's, it's pretty much just this, this chorus. Here, here's another one. He's got a big loud bass here. You know, it just it never ends. It's a war drum, you know. That's what I call it. It's a war drum. It's not about enjoying the music. It's about sending a message. And it's an aggressive message. There's another one. And, uh, the, and the whole idea is to be cool. Literally, the whole idea, like what you're hearing, is like, it's a war drum saying, I'm cool, look at me. I'm tough, look at me. It's just, it's become the chorus of hell. It's very repetitious. It's like you could see that person all around town, and you'd hear the same exact you'd hear the same exact thing. You know, it's all so repetitious. Not that I have a problem with repetition. I'm just saying it adds to the madness that it's just this this repetition that never ends. But uh, no, what I was getting into though is you know. Like, nerds and, like, hipsters and artists started taking on this sort of, like, Ebonics talk. And, like, I think some of that's, like, what I was saying in the last episode about how some of this is just that it's, like, the language of the street. And I used to even, like, try to do that. I used to do it a little bit to seem cool to, like, weed dealers. Not in a really, not in a terrible way, but I, I would try to use slang that I would never use normally. Just to, like, communicate to them that, like, I'm, I'm hip. Like, I remember one time, like, my girlfriend's co-worker was selling me weed, and I didn't know him very well, and I was trying to ask him, like, if he normally sells weed, or, like, if, if he was just selling me weed as a one-off, because sometimes you don't know. Sometimes, like, it's somebody new, and it's like, they just happen to have bought an ounce, and they're like, yeah, I can sell you part of it. But this guy, like, I wanted to know if I could call him again, basically. And I, I said something like, are you normally sitting on stuff? You know, because I've heard that before, like sitting on. Like, what are you sitting on? And I said, like, what are you sitting on? I said, are you normally sitting on stuff? And he was, he was kind of like this, like... He was a good example of like a sort of guy I'm talking about, where he was like a pop punk dude. Like, he made this electronic pop punk sounding music. Like, I don't even know what it was, but it was like... It was like a mix between electronic music with like beats and pop punk and like emo. Like it, it was like that, like mainstream pop punk emo, but kind of like electronic music, a little bit goofy. And uh, and he and kind of had like a little bit of like, but but was kind of like a rap guy too. He's, he's a good example of what I'm talking about. But anyway, uh. 
first time I was buying weed from him, I was I just wanted to know if like, can I buy weed from you again? Just so we can establish that this, this isn't just like you helping me out once. But I was like, so you normally sitting on stuff? Like I tried to drop this street talk and he was like, I don't know what you're asking me. And I was like, oh, I was just wondering if you're normally like sitting on stuff, you know, like, could I reach out to you again? He goes, oh, are you asking me if I normally sell weed? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, yeah. Like, get, me, get a hold of me whenever. I was like, okay, that was easy. <laughs> but the thing is, the reason why I tried to do it that way is because like some dealers are that way. Like if I were to say to another dealer, like, can I buy weed from you normally? Can I call you again to purchase weed? You know, if you were to say that to a guy, you might sound off. You might sound like, you know, he might, he might be off. Like sometimes you have to kind of use like the stupid fucking slang, but it was just, I got it thrown right back in my face and I didn't do that often, you know, but, uh, I feel like my point is though, is it's like hip people started like like hip musicians and artists and people like started to take on this sort of like ironic wiggerdom and i think some of that is like partying like some of that is like kind of like those people would get drugs and stuff like so they use they they take on some of the slang but that was also around the time that those sort of people got really into hip-hop and so it all kind of like congealed but like like all of that stuff like everything that those people ever did, it starts out with a sense of irony, but it becomes reality pretty quick. Where it's like, oh yeah, initially those people were, uh, you know, initially those people were like, like just doing that because it was funny. They were making fun of it a little bit. But the more you make fun of something, the more it becomes your new reality. So I think that's what happened with them. But around that time too, I remember like nerds were, were taking it on, like kind of a version of Office Space. Office Space kind of like predated it actually. Where in Office Space, the Michael Bolton character, like the nerdy guy named Michael Bolton, you know, at the beginning he's listening to rap and singing along, and then like a black guy wa- walks by and he turns it down. And so he's like this nerd, he's like the ultra nerd with glasses, but he secretly like talks like a wigger. He's like, he's like a secret wigger or something. It's kind of like that, but then like that, that a lot of people started to do that. Like nerdy hacker type guys, gamers, gamers big time. So it's just weird. It's, it's, just, it's just funny to me where it's like that way of talking that like kind of started to infect everything around the same time. Or it's like, oh yeah, everything now. Everything is influenced by that. You know, where it's like everybody has taken on that way of talking. It's pretty fucking crazy. And that's kind of the funny part about, uh, you know, with this music around, like this war drum, this pounding war drum, you know, where every car, not every car, but anytime you do hear music from cars, which is often, it's just like this, this thumping, you know, they're just letting you hear the rap. They want you to know that they're listening to rap really loud. They want you to hear it. Uh, and but what's funny about that is like you have no idea who that person is. Like there, there might have been a point in time where if you heard that, if you heard that like thumping bass, you'd be like, okay, that guy's. There's a tough guy. There's a gangster. At the very least, there's somebody who wants to be one. But it's like the way it is now. That could be anybody. 
You know, it, it could be a girl, it could be a teenage girl, probably is many times. You know, many times it probably is just a teenage girl. Because, but the idea is that they want you to hear it. It doesn't infuriate me, but I would say it's one of those things that just kind of brings down the overall quality of life just a little bit. Because, I mean, I wouldn't like it either if people were blasting any kind of music too loud all the time. Like, yeah, sometimes it's nice to have the windows down on, on a, a nice day. And maybe I'm just, be, you know, becoming an old man about it. But, I mean, there's a certain volume that's, that's really unnecessary. <laughs> Like, there's a certain volume where, like, speaking from my own experience, like, there were times where I've just blasted music in my car, and I wasn't really doing it for myself. I was doing it so other people would hear it. I was doing it because I wanted to play road DJ or something. I thought I deserved to be the DJ of the road, and I wanted people to hear the cool music I was playing, and they're not going to hear it unless I blast it in their faces. I wasn't doing it, you know, yeah, sometimes it's fun to have it a little bit loud. I mean, there's a reason we like loud music. But, you know, it's it's also just one of those things, you know, where, where it's like... We have, we have another example here. That one wasn't too bad, but... Probably couldn't even hear it through the phone, but... I could hear, you know, more of it. It's just the number of people blasting this shit. It's, it's really wild. Once you take it into account, and that's a new development in recent decades, the last 20, 25 years, you didn't really hear that very often. And then when you think about like the content of it, to its credit, a lot of it's become really esoteric. Like I don't know if it's like drugged out or it's like pretending to be drugged out, but like some of that stuff where they just like repeat some mysterious phrase over and over again it is like legitimately esoteric like some kind of weird ritual and the fact that everybody's going around blasting that shit but then like a lot of it though too like i've said before a lot of it's like this self-esteem like pep up stuff like it's designed to sound tough like this nobody can mess with me i'm the best sort of stuff but it really comes across like if you actually look at it for what it is it's just like this really insecure self-esteem boosting music by both the people who create it and the people who listen to it like that's what a lot of rap is at this point it's just like really insecure people boosting their own self-esteem in the most shallow ways possible not all of it but a lot of it is that way a lot of the stuff that i come across publicly is that way and then a lot of it too is you know aggressive and menacing which is okay you know i listen to a lot of aggressive and menacing music but th these are like normal people these are like these are you know this is a different cut of person you know who, who's out there just like going about their lives you know with that on like th this like self-esteem boosting stuff you know combined with uh you know this like this come at me sort of thing but i'm about to go in the store As I was leaving the store there, I was behind this uh, really tough-looking middle-aged black dude. I didn't see what the front of the shirt said, but the back of his shirt had a dog, like a St. Bernard or something. And it said, Ignorance is bliss, but yours is disturbing. <laughs> like, I didn't have a chance to look at it long enough to know if there was like a pun involved or what was going on, but I was like, 
That's a really interesting. <laughs> it looks like a big dog shirt too. It might have been, but I don't know what big dog shirts are like if they even make them anymore. Those were obviously really big when I was growing up. Big dog, big dogs. But uh, ignorance is bliss, but yours is disturbing, and it's a dog saying it. I'm like, where the fuck did that come from? Like, trying to f figure out the joke in it, too. Because I don't think there was one. Like, I, I was thinking about, like, whether or not it used, like, a dog pun. You know, or had a, uh, like, a wolf. You know how, like, stupid dog jokes will, like, make dogs say something, but they'll have, like, a wolf in there. They'll have some sort of dog pun. Some phonetic garbage that makes like really, really low intellect people laugh. Not that there's anything wrong with being low intellect, but I'm just saying like that's a really, that's a really low, that's really low. <laughs> and I guess like you know what's making me think about it is like how they have a uh, they have an official pet account for the White House. They have these these pet social media accounts. And that's all they are. It's just somebody making puns involving like woof and arf. And so it's not even that I think there's anything that bad. I think when I think of like somebody of low intellect laughing at that or liking it, it's, it's like more like the idea of somebody, the, the sort of person who likes a White House social media page like that. Or it's just like, oh yeah, holy shit. Like, like there's a certain, there's a, there's a target demographic for that. This guy's shirt, though, I don't think was anything like that. I think it just said in plain English, it had a picture of a dog that looked like the big dog's dog. And then in plain English, with no puns that I could detect, it said, ignorance is bliss, but yours is disturbing. And, like, thinking about this, like, tough-as-nails, middle-aged black dude. Like, this guy, he was not somebody to mess with. This guy doesn't... He, he was... You could tell, like... He's not out to prove it to anybody. He's the sort of guy where, like, if you heard... Deep-thumping rap music coming from a car... And you looked and it was him, you'd be like, yeah, that's, that's how it should be. Like, that's the sort of guy where, like, you, you hear a sub-bass coming from a car, and you see that it's him, and you're like, yeah, you, there you go, that works. That's kind of like how everything, you know, conservatism is not static. I've talked about this before, where it's like, everything becomes conservative in time, and we're seeing that play out quicker than we ever imagined. But like, like I have a friend. He's a uh, a criminology. He's a a criminology professor. He he's a criminology professor, and uh, he's probably in his forties. But he was talking about how like he'll play his his students like at the start of every class. Like he'll play just music that he likes at the start. But he tries to like think about the effect it'll have on the students. And he was saying how his students now, like, are totally unfamiliar with gangster rap, whereas, like, he grew up on it. So he'll play this old-school gangster rap for them. 
and kind of be like, this is the shit, this is the stuff that, like, is cool. Like, this is the stuff that I grew up on, this is the stuff that's cool. And this guy is very liberal. Like, as you'd expect, pretty much, from, from most, like, college professors who are going to blast rap music for their students. Like, he was saying he'll also play Slayer. I mean, he's, he's a guy who grew up on uh, just old-school metal, old-school rap, just the stuff that was coming out at the time, you know? But he was saying how he'll play it for his students and, like, how gangster rap is totally lost on his students now, he was saying. And it's sort of like an old man thing. It's kind of like an old man thing to be like, oh, yeah, the rap was better in my time. I'm going to play you some Tupac. That's kind of conservative now. It's, it's kind of conservative to be like, oh, well, the, the good rap was this. Like, what it always makes me think of is uh, I saw that interview with Tucker Carlson where he was like, I just wish things would go back to 1985. I just wish the culture would go back to 1985. And I, I laughed at that because, like, I get it on one hand. Like, like, my own conservatism is wanting to go back to how things felt when I was growing up, too. Like, Tucker Carlson was probably a young man in 1985. He probably felt, like, in touch with everything. And what's funny about him saying that is that, like, the hardline ultra-conservatives in 1985 probably hated 1985. Like, they were probably like, fuck, the culture's already gone. Conservatism has is, is already lost the battle. Whereas, like, Tucker Carlson, being a young man, was probably just like, oh, hey, I'm alive and everything is vital. 1985, it's great. And now that he's on the conservative side, I mean, I think he always has been conservative. And not that he's, like, the be-all, end-all, hardline conservative. But still, just the fact that Tucker Carlson is like, I just think let's go back to 1985. As if that was some sort of conservative ideal. When the reality is, like, a lot of people probably felt like... The war was already lost then, you know. But, uh, like, my friend, the professor, who was... My friend, the professor. Like, him talking about, like, playing rap, like, gangster rap for his students, and them really... That not being their thing. Like, they grew up in a time after that. If he's teaching kids in college, I mean, they're, like, 18 to what? 25? Like, 18 to 22? 23? The average college student? Those kids were born in the late 90s at the earliest, many of them. They were born after, you know, Tupac died. So, uh, they, they've experienced things much differently, which I haven't really thought about. Like, I haven't really thought about, uh, you know, because like, rap took everything over, and it's been, the rap empire has been ruling for so long now. Did I forget that, like, some kids are only experiencing, like, some of that big stuff after, way after the fact? Like, it's crazy to me to think, like, oh, yeah. Like, I've only ever known John Lennon to be dead. John Lennon and I weren't alive at the same time. So, like, my entire life, I've just been like, oh, yeah, he's dead. And uh, that kind of adds to the Beatles' mythical status. So, like, there's kids being born today where it's like, obviously, they probably hear about who Tupac is. They know who Tupac is. But, uh, it's like John Lennon or something where it's like, oh, yeah, you know, he's very famous. Like, maybe I, I know his music a little bit. But it's like, he died before I was born. I think John Lennon died five years before I was born, around there. Can't remember if he died in 1980 or when it was, but... 
he's dead for about five years. But you know, now these kids today, it's like, yeah, Tupac was dead for five years before you were born. Now you're in college, and your professor grew up on Tupac, 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 and he's like, even though he's a, a liberal dude, it's like he has his own form of conservatism, which is like rap music was better in my day. You know, and, and uh, that's kind of me. Like, I kind of feel that way, too. Like, it's not that I hate rap. Like, there's some rap that's good, for sure. But for me, it's just like the direction it's gone in, the sort of stuff, the sounds that I'm hearing, and the fact that I can't avoid hearing them everywhere. That's the stuff I find really jarring. And uh, just doesn't give me much hope. For, you know, it just doesn't give me much hope. But... uh yeah, so it's like, for me, it's like, oh yeah, you know, like that guy in the grocery store with the big dog shirt or whatever the heck that was. I gotta say it one more time. If ignorance is bliss, yours is disturbing, I think it said. I find yours disturbing. It's something like that. I was just like, for that guy to have a shirt that says that, that's wild. But I'm like, that's the kind of guy I want to see. You know, that's the kind of guy who, that guy, when he leaves the parking lot, I don't mind hearing it. Because that's kind of, you know, he's he's the guy who developed that, you know. He's the guy who developed e even doing that. But, uh, and he had a chain on too, you know. He was in like, like gray sweatpants with like this gray big dog shirt about ignorance being disturbing. <laughs> and... Uh, so he's just and just like swaggering out of the place. I was like, yeah, that's that's the sort of guy when he gets in his car, and you hear the bass. It's almost like, yeah, everything's right with the world. When you see like a teenage girl doing the same thing, you're like, yeah, something's wrong. But yeah, what we're seeing right now, like talking about like how everything has the chance to kind of become conservative, or everything does eventually become conservative. You know, that's kind of what we're seeing right now, like as we speak, and, and especially the last few years where there's been a bunch of dudes, there's been a bunch of gay dudes who go, who have become increasingly conservative because they feel that they've been passed by. I mean, it's not just men, it's also women. Or like they feel like the movement that they were a part of has passed them by and is alienating them. And there's a guy that I, I listen to his show sometimes he can be kind of hard to take, but he is who he is, and he, you know, he, he is who he is, but he's a, he's a, uh, a gay man, I would say is in his 40s, who used to be, you know, ultra-liberal activist type, and then just the events of the last decade or so have shifted him. I think he, I think he was a Trumpsfeld voter and stuff, but, you know, very effeminate gay man, and so he talks a lot about this, and I find it interesting because it's like, it's clear that like this guy's ideal was like how things were when he came into the movement. Like, like when this guy was a young gay man, the way that, uh, the way that like he, like, like the thing that he thought he was belonging to was like his ideal. And so now that it's shifted into something far more bizarre, confusing and complex and downright weird, downright weird with all this like gender theory stuff and I think uh, gay kids getting even more confused than they already were you know we've seen this pushback now where it's it's almost conservative to just be gay 
and that's not even a joke that's kind of like what this guy is, has been saying is it's like to just be a gay man or a gay woman is is almost uh, kind of like a conservative thing to do and to still be advocating for that in the same way that you always did is almost seen as conservative and you see where conservatives themselves kind of take this stuff on where like you know 10 or 15 years ago definitely 20 years ago you didn't see conservative politicians ever like putting like like gay candidates out front or trying that hard to prove they weren't homophobic and then now what we see is like they they have tons of token candidates not that all those people are just tokens but that's how they're presented where it's like they have tons of token candidates and they spend a lot of their time trying to explain how not homophobic they are but like the line in the sand now for them is that like being a modern american conservative means being fine with uh gay people by and large to a degree that we wouldn't have imagined possible from republicans 20 years ago but then they're like well we don't like this other stuff and so it's just it's continually evolving and you can become that way about anything i mean i think we all are like every single person who says like this was better when when i was growing up or this used to be better like anybody who says that and means it knows what it means to be conservative because that's where it's coming from like it gets twisted into all these other issues but if somebody wants to know like the root of where that feeling comes from that's what it is it's it's tucker carlson saying like i wish the culture would just go back to 1985 and you can look at that and say like oh so like there's a decade of decadence where people were just making like insane amounts of money and, and doing tons of cocaine where like madonna was doing what she was doing michael jackson was doing what he was doing where the culture was like very superficial materialistic neon gaudy like that that's your ideal conservative culture and be like well you know that was just what was current when when his brain became formed but anybody who feels that way knows what that is like anybody who who looks back at something like even just saying the original trilogy star wars unedited unchanged is the best star wars and anything else really isn't uh really isn't even in the conversation and it's actually ruined it because that's a that's a big motivator for conservatism it's not just that things have changed and i don't like it it's that things have changed and you've actually ruined the thing that i loved and i think that's a real feeling i think that happens all the time which is why that that feeling is so intense in people And sometimes they're just remembering an ideal and not how things actually were. And and I think people who think that way get into tricky territory when they start pretending they know what it was like to live before they were born. Because you see that a lot. You see where um, there's this idea that like, oh, things were better during this period that I didn't even actually experience. 
And so you're getting kind of a caricature of that period. And so I think that that's kind of tricky, but, but something we can all relate to is like, oh yeah, th this was better when I was a kid. This was better when I was younger. Music was better when I was a teenager, whatever it is. You know, we can all relate to that feeling. And what that feeling is, it's a conservative impulse. It's kind of a traditional idea. Like tradition comes out of that idea. Like things were better, this was better, so we're going to keep doing it. But uh, these words have gotten so toxic, like you can't really put it in those terms. You know, because I think people would relate to the idea more if they understood it that way. But, you know, the idea too is that, I mean, I think you can look at uh, the way things change by actually looking at like a, an individual example of something like music. And like, you know, I love doo-wop and, and, you know, just country and just teen pop from the 50s and 60s. You know, I've dedicated like, I don't know, almost a decade of shows to do to showcasing some cool music from that era and you can see the way that like progress changed it you know where by like the mid 1960s that music wasn't uh you know starting to like, like the sound was starting to change and then by the late 60s it was pretty much gone and you can see where some artists who were doo-wop singers changed with the times. They progressed. They were like, yeah, you know, I'm not going to make it big doing a doo-wop record anymore. I'm going to take on sort of like a flower child, like, you know, I'm going to play into more of a rock band. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do whatever the current style of pop is. Like, I think about Dion from Dion and the Belmonts. And he was a very talented singer and very, very famous in his heyday. But he went on and he continued to do things like... You know, in the 70s, he was releasing albums where he had, uh, he was wearing like a big floppy pimp hat and like a gold chain with a medallion and like he had like long 70s hair with sideburns doing like some 70s sounding music and it sucked in my opinion. Because like he was best when he was doing short and sweet doo-wop songs. He was a master at it. But because, you know, he had an interest in being a pop star, he had an interest in keeping his career going, when the music changed, when the, when the style of popular music changed, he changed with it. And I think most people are going to say what he did later sucked or it's even forgettable. I, don't, I wouldn't even go as far as to say it sucked. It's just so fundamentally different. It's not even in the conversation with what he was doing earlier. And so, you know, we can kind of see how that affects on, like, that's a micro level. Like, an individual artist changed his style to fit the times. And it, it wasn't good for it. And the alternative is, you know, maybe he could have just done doo-wop forever. But it wouldn't have been relevant anymore either. You know, so he changed. Like, you know, because you can see where some artists from the 50s and 60s just kept doing doo-wop forever and like they they were no longer popular because doo-wop wasn't popular but they kind of made a niche career for themselves as like that doo-wop guy but uh you know other artists are like well i'm gonna change i'm gonna do something else 
or they find something else that actually does work. Like I think a good example of that would be like Conway Twitty, where, uh, you know, Conway Twitty started out in more of that doo-wop, like teen territory. Um, like he had that song, you know, it's only make believe, which is amazing. And he went on to just to be like a, a straight up country artist who was very successful and good at what he did. Like I'm not even a big Conway Twitty country fan. I'm more of a fan of like the doo-wop era stuff, but, uh, I think he made it work. Like, like, whereas you look at Dion wearing his like floppy pimp hat with sideburns and a medallion and he's like 40 and you're kind of like, eh, you know, I respect him, but this is kind of pathetic. You hear him doing a song that just sounds like generic 70s pop far removed from what he used to do. And you're just like, yeah, you know, he's doing what he's doing. I don't hate him, but it kind of sucks. But Conway Twitty's one where you're like, okay, he changed. He found a new niche. And I think that's the most successful ex-doo-wop artists. I think that they found success more in country than anything else. I think country ended up being the most graceful way to transition from teener pop and like rockabilly and doo-wop into like something mature for whatever reason. I just, that's my take. I mean, cause you can even see it with like Dolly Parton or somebody like that where her first stuff has more of like a sixties pop doo-wop sort of vibe. Like the way the songs are written is actually pretty much doo-wop, you know, just, just the melodies and the way the music is built. I would say that early Dolly Parton is closer to doo-wop in some ways than it even is country. It's definitely in that, Re that border region between them and it's also just pop but you can hear like as dolly parton aged a little bit she leaned even further into country and so i think like the more successful people who were active in the 50s and 60s kind of went that direction but like you know that's just the micro and the macro is like the entire culture things have to change like you can't just say oh doo-wop is the best music and we need to make it forever because it'll suck that way too like if in the 1950s there was a decree, and or like in the in the early 60s there was a decree, and it was like, oh yeah, we've decided that doo-wop is the greatest music ever. It's our traditional music, and it's going to be the only pop music we play until the end of time. It's going to suck. We don't. We can't do that. You can't. You can't put culture in a time capsule and be like, this is just how it's going to be forever. It just doesn't work that way. But I also think when you're you're constantly pushing to new territory you end up with bad results too. Like I think our culture, our need to progress, our, our need for music to change has sometimes resulted in cultural catastrophe where it was like, oh, this is a new thing. We all need to get behind the new thing. And then when you actually see what that is, it was a horrible direction to go in. It's a gamble. I mean, that's just, that's change. That's progress. And that's the thing about progressivism is that we do need to change. We do need to evolve, but we have to admit that progress is a gamble. It's not guaranteed. If you think that this is a progressive decision or a progressive direction, you have to accept that, hey, that might be a gamble because I don't know what's going to happen. I have a desire for things to progress and I think that this is the definition of progress as I understand it. But by pushing for it, we might not be able to go back. We almost definitely can't go back. 
but we might ruin everything, or this might just be a bad direction to go in. It might get us nowhere. And so I think if progressives had that attitude where they said like, hey, things have to change. I think we should go in this direction, but I have the humility to admit that, hey, it's a gamble. I can't guarantee. This is what I think. I think you would actually convince more people that way. I think that would actually be a stronger argument, whereas now the progressive argument is that this is the right side of history. This is progress. This is not a gamble. You're just evil if you don't want things to go this way. And then we end up where we are now, where this mass brainwashing has taken place, where people now believe everything bad is evil. Everything from the past was somehow, uh, you know, made with the blood, sweat, and tears and very souls of minorities or something. Like, you know, you even see this attitude directed toward like rock and roll. Like, you can't even just be like, I'm a rock and roll fan or something because people are like, well, they stole that from black people. That was a that was a big narrative that was popular. And yeah, there are examples where things were taken from black people. But it became this catch-all response to everything that white people have ever done where it was – and I, I've been hearing this for since I was a teenager, probably longer, which is like, oh, we, we took everything that white people did culturally. We just took that from black people and made it worse and didn't give them credit. Have people done that? Sure. At the scale, on the level that people make it out? No. But uh, what was I going to say about that with uh, – I don't know, like the way the way our culture operates now is that every everything that was important to our culture then is evil. And we sacrifice people's souls to, to do it. And that everything we want to do is going to be perfect and utopian. And uh, if you don't accept that, you're an agent of evil. That's the sort of line of thought. There's no humility. It's just, it's, it's pure coercion. It's pure power. And uh, you can't help but not trust it. Like somebody who comes from the point of view of like, hey, I think this is the right direction for A, B, and C reasons. If you, if you don't want to go in that direction, I can kind of get that because it is a gamble. Just don't get in my way. What about that? Don't get in my way. And if you can say, hey, I won't get in your way. If that's the way you want to live, if that's the world you want to live in, I won't get in your way. You won't get in my way. But we're getting in each other's way constantly. There's no agree to disagree. It's just this is progress. We've we've figured it out, guys. This is progress. This is how things are going to get perfect. This is this is the path to utopia, which is a much more dangerous way of thinking than, you know, it's just it's a much more dangerous way of thinking. Any kind of utopian ideal is so dangerous because inevitably it leads to people saying like, oh, you don't want to achieve this utopian ideal that I have in mind? You're an enemy of utopia. You are evil. You're evil. If you're an enemy of utopia, you're evil. 
And then where does that lead? We can see the way, you know, pretty much every authoritarian government in history has operated that way. Oh, hey, if we get our way, if our government, if our party gets its way, we will achieve utopia. And if you want to, if, if you don't go along with that, you're an enemy of utopia. Therefore, you're evil. Therefore, we just have to kill you. Just got to kill you. That's how it goes. You know, we haven't figured it out yet. But anyway, we're all over the place here. I'm back home with Batty. I'm just going to chill because the reality is everything's bothering me right now. I got a million things on my mind. It's one of those things where it's like if you look at things online, you see stuff that upsets you. But the way things have been, it's like going out into the world. I'm just like, you know, I'm not seeing much hope out here. It's been since July 2021 that I've really gone out into the world and been like, things feel nice and hopeful. People feel okay. Instead, it's yesterday, the guy pulling down his pants by the elementary school. You know, today is just, it's just the, the sheer state of people. It's just what I continue to see. So it's like, it's like what you see through the screen will upset you. What you see when you're walking down the street, breathing fresh air will upset you. And you just have to not get upset. You have to have faith. I mean, that's where faith comes in. Because, you know, it's kind of like what I've said about humility, where it's like, or sacrifice, where like I've said before, like the things that you want to be humble about, don't really make you that humble. It's when you don't want to be humbled and, and something humbles you against your will, that's when you're truly humble. True humility is when something humbles you when you weren't planning or didn't want to be humbled. If you're choosing when and where to be humbled, well, that's not really, that's not, that's not true humility. Humility is when you don't necessarily want to be humbled, but something humbles you anyway. That's the true feeling of humility. I said the same thing about sacrifice, where if you want to get rid of something or getting rid of something isn't a big deal to you, that's not much of a sacrifice. Maybe you're still sacrificing something, but it's not a major sacrifice. A sacrifice is when you give up something that you wouldn't have wanted to give up. It's something that you weren't planning to give up. That you actually, it actually bothers you to give it up. That's a sacrifice. I think you can look at faith sort of the same way, where like when you want to believe, it's very easy to think that's faith. Like, oh, hey, like on a good day, like when you're having, a, like, like let's talk about J uh, July 2021, this mystical period where like, women were frolicking and the sun was shining and people were just showing themselves. They were blooming like little flowers. It was really easy to be faithful. Like when I was walking through town a year ago, gas prices were still low. Inflation was lower. The mask mandates had just been lowered. The hot weather had just hit. It's very easy to go out in the world and be like, yeah, of course I'm faithful. Look at this. Look at this beautiful day. Look at all look at all of God's creatures frolicking. 
Look at them just soaking in the rays, just happy to be out and about, happy to be out in society. Of course I'm faithful. That's easy. It's easy when you want to believe. It's easy when everything feels good. The hard part is lately when it's like everything that I come across on the computer or the phone is dismal. I'm like, okay, well, it's a good thing I go out and I walk around a lot. It's a good thing I'm out in the world going on adventures, going to the woods, going to cool little neighborhoods. And then I go there and there's a homeless wigger with his pants down threatening me. And there's just all of these maniacs driving around blasting rap music staring you down there's great guys like the the big dog shirt guy he's great but you know you're surrounded by just these people and they're just a mess and you're paying double what oatmeal cost six months ago every day it's 50 cents more for this or that gas is so high that it's like you can't even it's like going to visit a friend an hour away is like buying a plane ticket. And I'm not trying to just get hung up on all of this, all the bullshit. I'm just saying that like right now just feels like one of those times. Every person I know, and these are, these are people who don't even know each other in many cases, is going through their own personal crisis. Every single one. And the people who aren't going through a crisis are just kind of depressed. But either way, everyone is going through their own problems right now. And that's okay. Because that's when you need to remind yourself to have faith. When everything is dismal, when everything is dark, that's when it actually matters. That's when your faith is actually put to the test. That's when you know whether or not you actually have it. It's not when you go... I mean, it's July 2021, it'll live, it'll live on forever in infamy. I was going out, like I went down to the marina for a walk and like a girl in a thong is getting off a boat, walking walking right past. And I'm just like, you don't see this. What is this, Miami Beach? Is this Miami Beach? I'm in, I'm in Pacific Northwest. The water's cold even in the summer. And there's a girl wearing practically nothing. She's wearing a thong bikini getting off a boat. I go down the street. There's a girl uh, in a billowy see-through dress, and I can see her lingerie. She looks like she's, the way she's frolicking around and spinning around and touching flowers and leaves, you know, it, it looks like she she's acting like she's naked out there. There was a woman, a, a really attractive mom down the street from my house wearing practically nothing in her driveway while her kids play. This is all in the span of a week. And I was like, what is going on? People are really showing it off in ways I've never seen. It's easy to be faithful then. It's like, well, yeah, life is great. You know, but uh, it's easy to have faith in that. Not just the lecherous stuff, but just that feeling in the air. But it's when you're stuck in traffic in grim despair that you actually know whether or not you have faith. And I, I, I'm kind of feeling that, that way right now. And maybe in a week I'll feel different. 
Maybe in a week I'll be feeling that July 2021. Maybe July 2022 is going to be just like July 2021. Maybe July 2022 is going to be just like July 2021. Maybe. But right now I'm just like, shit. Where's the light? Well, I can tell you that I still have faith. I'm still managing to hold on to my sanity somehow. It's difficult. Especially when everybody you know, all of your guardrails, all of the people in your life who you sort of reach out and touch just to be like, okay, there's stable ground here. They're not on stable ground either. And they're reaching out for you and you're like, I'm not on stable ground. You're trying to catch your balance on me. You know, that's kind of how it's been lately. Where it's like everybody's experiencing some kind of volatility in their life. And um, that's just how it's been. But maybe July 2022, you know, who knows? I, I have faith in July 2022. And even if July 2022 is a bummer, I've got faith beyond that. Because I just, I know that now. I've experienced that. It's not a logical choice. It's simply something you have to experience and come to accept if that's what you need. I don't think everybody necessarily needs that or they might not need it in those terms in that exact way. But I think just about everybody right now needs something like that. No matter how they interpret it, no matter how they phrase it, I think everybody right now does need something resembling faith. This land is mine God gave this land to me This brave, this golden land to me And when the morning sun Reveals her hills and plains I see a land where children can run free.